Welcome to the Just What I Needed to Hear podcast with Yoga Farm Ithaca, where we teach you how to live the principles of yoga both on your mat and off the mat in the living curriculum of your precious life. what comes up for a lot of people around the holiday season, um, not only just tension and for some people what they perceive as added stress um, and there can be like a freneticness right. to, this, to this season. Um, people sometimes have expectations, of course, or you perceive people have expectations. You may have your own expectations of, of the holidays. Um, and we're really mainly speaking to Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and Christmas and, and a lot of family time stuff when, when people we perceive have expectations of us and we have expectations of what, what the event is going to be like and what the outcome is going to be like. And a lot of people put a lot of weight on this time of year and it can be radically compounded when people are navigating in particular their very first holiday season without someone that they are used to having there in their lives, um, whether it's because of separation due to uh, a dynamic in a family changing, whether, you know, separation or divorce or somebody moves, um, or it's you're, somebody's navigating grief that goes along with uh, loss and death of someone that they love and cherish. It um, absolutely is a whole other dimension to the holiday season. Mm -hmm. So, so that was on our mind today, and so we want to talk a little bit about that, and then how we can, um, if we're not, if we happen to not be someone this holiday season navigating sorrow as it relates to the grief of change, um, how can we best really be there for people that are? especially for those who are navigating the very first holiday season without someone that they cherish. Mm. Um, which ties in really with our theme of the day of change and loss and, and grief and, and um, impermanence. Mm. I think one of the, the great exercises that is of value that you can do for yourself is to identify what, what expectations do you have even just putting them on paper and don't, don't question whether they're valid or legit or why. Yeah. Like, don't worry about that. It's sort of like just putting your, well, as Byron Katie says, putting your mind on paper, just as in a list form to really, to take an inventory of what is it that, what is it that you're expecting and what is it that you want? Because then once it's kind of like you're putting down a, a grocery list, right? And then you can actually see well, what I really need or that may not be the best example. Anyway, putting your mind on paper and then you can take a look at it and start to examine what is it that you are believing about the holidays? What is it that you're believing about your in-laws? What is it that you're wanting? And most importantly, to really take time to connect with what is it that you want as a felt experience during the holidays, whether you are navigating grief or not, there are I remember a few of my first holidays without someone that I really uh, cherished. And I had to ask myself, what, what is it that I really want? And, and what I want 
is really best honed in on when I'm able to define what is the feeling I want to experience. So what I want isn't necessarily something concrete or tangible, but it's a way of experiencing the living moment. So for me, there were several holidays where what I wanted to experience was the truthfulness of my sorrow. And so I made sure that I went to places and I, and I had people around me that would, would my, my truthfulness wasn't going to like damper, right. was going to put, put their happy Yule log out. Or free food. <laughs> or the other. Right. Or, or, or either, you know, feel sorry or, or, um, like, like they needed to do something to cheer me up. I think that's one of the hardest things for people when they well-intended are around someone that's navigate that's that's in the throes of navigating a, a significant life change um, again, whether it's due to death or separation. Yeah, is, is yes, exactly. Um, is is that that we want we mistakenly or unquestioned we we don't question. Um, or have awareness of, I'm, I'm trying to make this person feel better. And one of the things that is most valuable for, for anyone navigating loss, bereavement, grief, and it with change is to simply allow them to just be outspoken with what they're feeling and what they're thinking and what their experience is without attempting to change the way they're feeling or without attempting to have them see the better side or see the other side or to give advice to change the way they're feeling. We have a real addiction in our culture to not only changing the way we're feeling when we're not aware that that's what we're doing, we want to change the way other people are feeling because their discomfort can sometimes be so uncomfortable for mm. us to be with. So that is one of the greatest services that you can give yourself is to start to even take inventory of where are you unwilling to be with your own discomfort in your life? And to start to pay attention to when people share with you, again, you're just taking a baseline, seeing like, where are you at? What is your degree of comfort or discomfort when other people are sharing with you what's going on in their life? Because that's why we so quickly go to the, I, I have something to fix it mm -hmm. and make it better for you so you don't feel that thing you're feeling because it might be to process through grief or to really hold the space for this holiday is different and it's it's that change that is the most uncomfortable right now uh or, you know as just an example thinking about it in in that context i know that my first holiday season without my grandmother and it had been a long time since I had spent actual holidays with her, having my own family and, and not living in close proximity. And just like not getting that Merry Christmas phone call from her in the morning, um, it was such a small thing and such a big thing because many of the big things are, are pretty small. And it threw me for a loop for, for a lot of the day. It was you know, missing that, the sound of her voice, um, you know, and I was able in that time to just sit and imagine 
and to conjure and to hear her voice, the memory of her voice in my mind of that, you know, Merry Christmas, Jeannie. I can, I can hear it uh, as I say it out of my mouth. Um, and knowing that I had, you know, many, many years of that blessing and, um, and that I have the memory of it and being with that memory. And it did invoke a lot of sadness and a lot of emptiness and a lot of loss and to be able to allow and just allow, you know, and uh, what, a, what a gift that was too. And to allow in those moments when you're replaying what it would sound like to hear someone noticing that you're, whatever you're feeling, one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is the, the allowance of feeling what you're feeling because our feelings are felt in our bodies. They're not felt up here. It's so, so funny that, that and if we don't get that, we don't get it. Mm. And when you get it, you get it and you won't, you won't forget it. Right. But our, sometimes we can mistakenly think, well, I feel sorry. I'm sad and I feel sorrow. Well, yes, there are thoughts that, um, are conveying what you are missing and what you're longing. I miss the phone call. That's a, that's a thought that's happening up here. Then the sorrow isn't up here. The sorrow is here. And that's what our, we, in our, in our culture, have a very, very um, weak muscle in, is, is allowing ourselves to be with the thought, I miss that phone call. And then letting the feeling of sorrow, because sorrow is not happening up here. Sorrow happens in our bodies. And letting ourselves just be with the feeling and not thinking, I'm feeling sorrow, because then we're up here, we're back up here again, right? And we're like, I'm, I'm feeling sorrow and my body is still a thought. Actually feeling it and noticing where in your body the sorrow is sitting or moving or pulsing or throbbing. When we just sit with the discomfort or the truth of our feeling in our body, that's where something extraordinary happens. Because we interrupt this process is one of the reasons we have so many addictions that are active in our lives because we don't know how to be with the fullness of that process. So we quickly turn to something outside of us to change the way we're feeling. Yet when we allow ourselves to let the, to, to go into the feeling, to feel where that ache is or that throb is, it's not unusual that we find something very very profound, as though it's a, um, like I like to say, all treasure is buried deep. When we allow ourselves to go into the depth of a feeling, there's something there, there's a jewel there. And it's only there if we can stay with the feeling of it and not in the analysis of it. So one of the practices, if you really wanna go for it this holiday season, and carry on forevermore is the following. So imagine your life if you literally took this on and lived it, okay? Look at and relate to everything and everyone around you as if you were seeing them for the last time. Imagine your life if you lived as the awareness 
that every time you left your home, every time you left your car, every time you left your dog, every time you left your spouse, it could be the very last time that you see them. Can you imagine the implications in your life? Now, some of you may actually be feeling something in your body right now, just being with that. It may feel like horrifying. That, for some of you, that might be the most horrifying exercise <laughs> that I could ever offer you. And what I will tell you is that exercise, if that horrifies you, is what stands between you and living your most exceptional life. Your willingness to actually be with that. If it's horrifying, it means you have work to do. So who would you be if you actually let that sink in? Now, over time, that levels out. You're not a nut job with that exercise, okay? But it's good, and it's gonna tip you into the wildness for a while because you've been repressing something so huge. It's gonna have you act a little kooky. That's a great thing, okay? So you may wanna let people know in your life that you're taking on this practice just so that they can have a context for your behaviors. Okay? You may drive your, your whole drive from leaving your house saying goodbye to your children, to wherever, may have you cry like you've never cried. Okay? It won't be that way always. It might be for a month. And, and if it is that way for a month, it doesn't mean you're losing it. Okay? Because we're so used to things being fast and quick in our, in our culture. I'm like, oh my God, it's been a month, I'm still crying. Well, good, because you've been hiding from it your whole life. You got a little backlog. Mm -hmm. It levels out. And how it levels out then is the way you look at others starts to change. The way you allow yourself, the way, see, it reigns the ego in. It starts to chip away at our tendencies that err on the side that, that, are, that are the way we are trying to navigate our, our wounds that have not been fully healed or our egoic concerns and worries of being alone or not good enough and not doing enough. That's all the stuff that plays out when we're jerky to each other. When you take on this practice of literally getting that you may not see your house again, you probably will, not guaranteed, just that awareness of not guaranteed is so life-changing. It will so change as you let that awareness sink in almost in the way that a good venom would. It just will take you over. It will infuse you and it will completely change how you treat yourself, how you treat other people, how you view your possessions and your belongings, you'll actually start to get nothing is yours. Nothing. The thing you call your house, not your house. The thing you call your money, not your money. You start to see that nothing you can hold, nothing. And that is the entrance into a life of freedom.